Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 131, The Castle Run. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, we are back for another Castle Run, another review of a great 80s property, and this time, something different than Joe. Yeah, and uh, one of your co-hosts is here. Yeah, I, I missed so, your so voice. So really something different, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed your voice. <laughs> I know, man. And we promised the animated episode is coming. yeah yeah exactly we see now we we really want to wait for shannon so he can be on it right um just because we know he has such a love for these episodes (laughs) yes and And uh, we've also talked about trying to get jeremy dale on but evidently jeremy is uh doesn't know me enough to to realize my stalking abilities and uh maybe and shannon can't even get in touch with him so Robert, you could always try reaching out to him, too. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> if we all gang up on him, he might not have a choice. But I think yeah. it would be awesome to have a G.I. Joe animated episode with three G.I. Joe creators on there. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like a blast. I bet I bet he'd love to do it. We just got to yeah. – just gotta let, well, I'll send him a link with maybe a first – you know, to a couple of the first shows, and maybe yeah. he can listen to those and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and Shannon said he's a fan of the cartoon also. So, yeah. and, and and let's face it, these next five that we have coming up are real doozies. <laughs> oh, got, they're the best. It's got everything. It's, it's big action, like horrible, horrible one-liners, and like ridiculous scenarios, and ridiculous a whole lot of thoughts. torpedo. Oh, a lot yeah. of torpedo. Speaking of which, we uh, I'm not going to play it for this episode, but when we get to that animated episode, we do have uh, Torpedo actually called in and left us a voicemail. He did? Oh, man, he's such a good guy. But left a couple voicemails, actually, so... Uh, so I will uh, play those when we do the animated episode. But um, yeah, and I was a little surprised that you actually decided to even show up for this episode after the last one. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, okay so, I... <laughs> so number one, the whole sister thing. You deserve that after canceling so many times. <laughs> no, no, nobody deserves that. I, it's, yeah, no, that is not even close. I, you guys ruined the way I look at my sister now. That's huge. I can't even do it. No. That, is, that does not count. <laughs> um, the punishment was not equal to the crime. <laughs> as as someone who has had uh, – imagine your sister being talked about on the Geek Savants podcast. Okay. No, that, I will say it could have been worse. <laughs> I had that happen. So. Yeah. No, and I feel for you now. That's, uh, that's no, your your sister is awesome. She she she's yeah. attractive, and and I mean I know what it's like to have an attractive sister. So, um, or yeah, someone, or I should say I should say someone that other people tell you is attractive. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, it's uh no, I mean she's. I think a big a huge part of it is um. Yeah, she's attractive, but it's her attitude in the industry. I mean, she yeah. loves comics so much, and she's yeah. always been that way. It's not like a facade, or she's one of those girls who wants to act like she knows yeah. you know, what geek culture is about. Like, she grew up on it. She's what got me into it. And so she was. she's the oldest of our siblings. And um, so she, when I was just like two and three years old in the early 80s, like, she was the one who was putting He-Man on so we could all watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't me knowing, you know, how to... Right. What's on or what's cool, you know, uh, it was her. So, I mean, she's she's a big part of what got us into uh, comics. And the fact that I started working in comics, it's interesting because I think that affected the culture of our family. Sure. Uh, it was actually one of my brothers mentioned it recently. He goes, you know, if you weren't working in comics, I don't think, you know, he's like, I, all of our family likes comics and, you know, right. sci-fi related stuff. But sure. he goes, I don't think we would talk about it or be 
aware of it nearly as much. And so it's really interesting how that's kind of uh, changed our family dynamic. And then, of course, her being involved with all the conventions and doing marketing and promotion and and uh, well, that's that's really how you know that she's not just a poser when it comes to it or anything like that or just supporting you is the fact that she gets involved in these conventions. I mean, she's constantly posting on Facebook like geek questions like, hey, who's your favorite villain, Spider-Man villain or what's a, I'm looking for something new to read. What's what would yeah. you suggest or something like that? So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can tell like just through that type of interactions and everything. So she is very vested into the geek culture and yeah. And it's her own doing, so. Yeah, it was a lot of fun having her in uh, Baltimore. It was cool hanging yeah. out with her. And I will say we did, we we pushed the envelope a little too much, razzing you on your commissions, too. <laughs> I do well, apologize for that. That's all right. No, that's it, okay. And I, it's not that I was mad. I want to make sure that that's yeah. clear. Because, yeah. okay, I mean, the situation is that I do take commissions. Um, I can't always get to them right away because of my schedule and deadline work and whatnot. Um, I take commissions for a number of reasons. One is because uh, I have you know people who enjoy my artwork or enjoy a particular character and know that I'll draw it in a detailed you know way or dynamic way. Um, so they want to get a commission for me. Uh, if what I charge for commissions is more than just like you know twenty five or fifty bucks, but at the same time I put a lot of time and effort. I was going to say them. you get your money's worth though. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm not charging nearly as much as some other artists who yeah. would put that much detail into them. You know, I, I say you're not charging nearly as much as some other artists that don't even put that much detail into it. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll say that for you. So <laughs> yeah, I I mean I try to reasonably price them so that people feel like they get their money's worth, but. The, the trade-off is that I'm not going to be able to flip these around. You know, if I was just doing quick head sketches or, you know, not putting that much time into it, it would be different. But so I don't do these to supplement my income. Right. I mean, I, I am taking time to do them. So, you sure. know, that has a value. But at the same time, I make much more money just doing my deadline work. Sure. So well, when, I will say, too, um, I mean, and I mean this in all sincerity, and I know you know this already, but in all sincerity – I don't know very many people that are as dedicated to fans and to the craft of comics or art and stuff like that as you are. Um, You are definitely one of those spokespersons for comics, but also for the fans of comics. Like you do stuff because you know, it'll make a fan happy Um, and that you put that type of dedication into your work and everything else. And you still are very dedicated to getting your work out. I mean, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we had to cancel one of our episodes was because <laughs> you were on a deadline. The other ones were bullshit reasons, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, PS reasons like like uh, someone a had family a baby. that yeah, a family that goes to church with us had a baby, and so we were watching their other three kids at ten o'clock at night <laughs> so that they could take care of that. That's a crap reason. I'm sorry. I know. Please, whatever. <laughs> or I have kids like literally puking all over the place while my wife's out of town. They're like, please. I'd be like, kids, here's a bucket. I have a podcast. That but they're for. kids. They're, they back. <laughs> they won't remember this crap when they're, they're older. Flexible. It won't scar them for life. They won't. They won't remember that dad wasn't there when they were sick. Oh, exactly. They can just listen to the podcast and that'd make them happy. Right, exactly. So, no, <laughs> I will say, honestly, every time you've canceled it, it's been for very valid reasons. Um, uh, no, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, I do my, I, I really, okay. So, I mean, the whole, the whole commission thing is I was realizing that I was building up a list of promised commissions that weren't getting done. And so um, I stopped taking money up front for a lot of them. Yeah, uh, a long time ago because of this scenario. I was like, well, I know it's going to take a while, so I'm not going to take money up front for it. 
Right. And that said, even when I did take money, I, I have that all like in my uh, PayPal account. Yeah. I don't spend that money until it's drawn. Until it's like, done, right. That way, it's like an escrow, the way I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> so when that it's a timeshare when you exactly <laughs> when you invest I, I, when you invest into it, then you can get you can withdraw. I know. <laughs> I should put it in a CD or something. Really, <laughs> I I could put it in a year CD and actually make some money on that. <laughs> Before they get their commission, but right. the, the the reason the reason why is because then if anybody I understand people uh, get a commission and I get all kinds. Some people are willing to wait because they really want the piece and it's worth it to them. Mm-hmm. Some people want to pay something and get something immediately, and that's you know I completely understand that mentality. That usually applies to most things. So when they want, if they are like, look, if I can't get the commission, I just want my money back. Well, sure, here's the money, you know, yeah. and I just refund it immediately. Yeah. Um. I figured that's as fair as I could be. You know, uh, yeah. the, the money they put down secures their spot. And if they want a, a refund, I give it to them. And then the person below them moves up a spot. I mean, yeah. that's all there is to it. Or yeah. I get the commission done and everybody moves up. So I, but I was realizing that list was growing too long and I needed a better sure. way to do it. So in the last month or so, I've gone through and, and I've taken like literally 10 or 15 people off my commission list. Yeah. And I've got just a handful left to do. Uh, Ryan's being two of those. Well, I was gonna say, I was actually gonna <laughs> Chuck, say, and now John, say, uh, I was gonna say, now John, me, and Shannon are off the list. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. you guys are automatically kicked <laughs> off. No, and then I think Chuck has like a Superman. I just need to do a yeah. background on, and the GI Joe book I'm doing, right. kind of like the Robotech yeah. for Grub. I mean, and he waited well over a year for that one too. Yeah. But and I saw, um, and I saw this the uh, well, number one, I saw the grub drawing, and that was r- ridiculously amazing. But I also saw this the brief sketch you did, like to you, your little sketches for just where things are going to go is like already impressive to me. <laughs> so, but I saw your little sketch of what you were doing for Chuck with the GI Joe thing, and I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it has <laughs> over thirty characters in it, and over a dozen vehicles in it, and they're like storming a beachhead yeah. of just GI Joes doing everything yeah. they do. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm gonna take my time on it, and it's one because it's for Chuck, and two, it's just like it's awesome. Like a, it's just like a fun, <laughs> you know, complete GI Joe yeah. image. So I mean. And, and the, the thing, thing is, I just didn't want to be getting a reputation for yeah. somebody who will take uh, a commission or take money from somebody and then people can't ever expect to get it. Because that's not at all why I'm doing this. I mean, right. it's not like I'm doing this to scam people or get no. their money here. And I honestly think that anyone that listens to the show and, and has had the pleasure of meeting you um, knows that. I hope they know that. And I ho- also hope that they know that we were just really ripping on Robert because he canceled on us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that's why you guys were doing it, but right. I was I just I was a little worried that other people were taking it. And I totally understand that concern, yeah. and that's why I want to just clear <laughs> the air now that Robert is ex- and he's I'm not just saying this because he's on the show now and I have to face him. Uh, <laughs> but no, Robert honestly is the one of the most dedicated artists on there. It's one of the reasons that we, honestly, it's one of the reasons that you know we really started even developing a friendship was because. You were so dedicated. You were listening to the to the show to hear what people were saying about your stuff, and and kind of get an idea what fans wanted and what fans were looking for and stuff like that. And then you know you came on the show and everything else. And it's just it's one of those things like we we mentioned one time. I think it was in episode one hundred or something like that or one twenty five. Um, that 
there's people that we've had rapport with and there's people that we respect in the business and everything else. And you've been one of them. So, um, I mean, it's why we, we brought you on the show. So, so it's like, so like I said, I don't want there to be any mistake out there that your dedication isn't there and that the type of work that people get in their commissions from you isn't the highest quality. Cause it's go look at Grubb's recent Robotech thing and you will just, you'll be drooling all over it. So, I mean, that's just proof of the, typical work that Robert does for people. So, um, well, and I think, um, and, and, and just kind of like as a, just to let people know in general, like when you, if you have a commission that's longstanding and, and you want to get done, you know, or you want to, you know, if, I mean, there are instances out there where there are artists who, uh, have a commission out, they're not getting back to you and, and right. you're getting frustrated about it. Like that happens. Um, and so, uh, but just be aware that if you, if you take that issue publicly, then, you know, that's going to affect that artist in a it's lot of ways. Impact them. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, like if, um, in, in that situation, then it's kind of like, you have to think of each artist as their own small business. Okay, Mm -hmm. like nobody's going to promote them except themselves, right? So they're their own PR department, their own marketing, all this kind of stuff. So um, you talking about an artist is going to affect them. That's that's publicity, you know, just like any other company or whatever, but just on a much more micro scale. So, um, you know, if if you're talking about somebody and their commissions, they're not getting it to you. It will reflect poorly on the artist, and people pay attention to that they hear yeah. that and so that could that could end up hurting the artist down the road so and if be you're aware an, and if you're what you're idiot, doing and if you're an idiot with a podcast and don't think about what you're saying <laughs> sometimes things like that happen so well uh, <laughs> it's more i just kind of want people to know the situation and sure. and in general i would rather i would rather somebody talk if they have issues with their commission not getting done. I'd rather than talk to me personally about it. And I don't, I don't just mean me. I mean, artists Arts in general, in general if sure. you have an issue, talk to them personally about it, work out a situation where you're both happy. If it's going to take a long time, be upfront. If you're willing to wait or not and, and, and work that out. Cause often it just takes an email or just takes a, a text or a phone call and you can get an update. And you know, if you're done waiting, typically if you've paid up front, they'll refund you right away. I mean, it's absolutely, um, it's stuff you can work out, but like if you if you go publicly with it, uh, and it's really a private transaction. If you go publicly with it, just be aware that um, it, it one depending on the artist, they might take offense to it. They might not uh, want to do your commission anymore, or they might. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. Like it it, 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 the situation would just get worse. I would think in general. Yeah. Well, and but then on the flip side of it too, if you have a commission out there. And you and you're waiting for it, and you haven't, you haven't, or you have reached out to that artist. I shouldn't say if you haven't, if you have reached out to that artist multiple times, and they're just kind of being a jackass yeah. about it because there yeah. are some of them out there. There are, there are. There's not a lot, but there are some jackasses out there, <laughs> and and you know, and you're just not getting, you're not, they're not reimbursing you your money. They're not gonna do anything. Then going public might not be the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, it, there should be a lot of steps before you get to that type of. Point. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously sympathetic to the artist side of it because that's where, sure. where I'm sitting. But I, I'll be honest, I've got two or three commissions out with other artists. Like I buy art from other artists. I sure. get commissions from other artists. And I've been waiting for a while on some of those. And like 
I get it. <laughs> like, yeah. I understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think a big part of it is just, uh, you know, just and like being said, up front, talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's and just like said, before you go public about it, it should be a situation where that artist is being a jerk towards you, is not willing to refund you your money, is not willing to work with you, is not willing to do anything. Even because I would even say, like, if an artist is willing to at least show you, hey, look, I started it, to at least give you an update or whatever. Yeah. Um, but here's what's going on and why it's taking me a little while or something. Like, you should be willing to accept that. But if it's something where, like I said, where they're they're saying it's I'm not I don't know when I'm going to get to it. I'm not giving your money back. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going like then. Okay, now the guy's yeah, being a that, jerk. That's different. Yeah, and I think um you know, or if, if some there are times where um. You might try and get a response and you don't. Um, I think that can be a combination of things. If they haven't made any progress on it, mm-hmm. then they're probably feeling a bit guilty that they haven't. Right. And they're a little reluctant to get back to you or or they are, you know, just sincerely busy. They mean to get back to you and don't. Like, I wouldn't jump to conclusions right away. Right. Give them a few chances. Right. Well, or, that's the other thing I was to say. Yeah. Try multiple channels to reach them. Be right. as polite as possible. Like I said, let them be the ones that end up being the jerk because – I work, I work in customer service and, and one of the things I do is, um, is rating how, uh, agents are on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of agents that say to me like, yeah, but the customer was being really jerky. And I go, I understand that, but you're not, you're being paid to not be. And so if the customer's being a jerk, you have to just realize that let them be the jerk. Don't you then turn into a jerk because of them. So the whole thing is, like I said, if you have an artist, and I honestly think there's probably like you could probably count on one hand how many artists are th- this way, but I'm sure there's a few. Like I said, if if you're being polite and you're trying to reach them through multiple channels, but they're actually responding in a jerky way and they are not willing to work with you or they're not willing to give you your money back, things like that, then okay, that's now, a different situation. That's a different situation. But if you're being polite and they're being polite back, and you guys can work something out, then you should totally work it out and and let it be. Um, but like I said, that I, I highly doubt you're going to find very many situations where they're just not being reasonable or not. Yeah, working. That's definitely the exception. I think absolutely in, in general, in general artists take commissions. If they're an artist that's big enough to be on a regular book, mm-hmm. then chances are they're getting paid pretty well to do what they do. And they're doing commissions, uh, almost as like a favor or a service to their fans. Absolutely. Can, um, so you just have to be aware that their priorities, as much as you would like it to be, you know, your commission be the number one thing on their list to do. Yeah, it, it just cannot be because yeah. you're not necessarily paying their monthly bills. Right. At the most, you're giving them a little bit of spending money on the side. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's and, some artists in the enjoyment of drawing what they're drawing. They wouldn't sure. do it if they didn't enjoy well, it. Well, and I was gonna say there's some artists that don't even do commissions, and it's not because they're jerks. It's just because, like you said, they have a job to do, and that's their main yeah. job, and that's what their main focus has to be. And I've even known artists that didn't do commissions that do them now because they're not doing as much work, so they can free up yeah. time to do commissions. Well, and, and there's and there's part of that is. Uh, you can supplement your income with commissions, and it's you know I do have a backlist of commissions for a couple reasons, uh, because I do want to do them. If I run out of work from month to month, then I can fill that time with commissions, and I know I can you know get through my list and make a little money on the side. And of course, that's great for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, if I'm on a regular book, like right now I'm on a monthly book, I have covers to do and other commercial artwork to do. That means that I'm spending roughly 60 hours a week drawing, and if I do a commission that week. That is my free time. Yeah. Right. That is me saying, all right, I'm done drawing 10 hours today. Um, 
what do I want to do for fun? Well, I'll draw your commission. Right. Because I enjoy drawing or because I enjoy you or the character or all the above. You know? But let's face it. There's some days where drawing is not fun, uh, high on the fun list. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you have sick kids. Right. Well, and I was even going to say, I was even going to say like this podcast is a lot of fun for me, but there's some days where I'm just like, you know what? I don't feel like doing any editing today. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't get done. (laughs) And sometimes that causes an episode to get out later than I wanted it to, but it happens. I tried to get, I actually tried to get episode 130 out um, before I left, I had a business trip to go on. I tried to get out before I went on the business trip, but the one night I was just completely exhausted and I knew I had to get on a f- plane the next morning. So I didn't, it didn't get out until I came back, but it's, but Hey, it's, it's a free episode. So <laughs> now, I, now I will say, yeah, that's true. Exactly. Quick complaint. <laughs> um, no, I will say the last episode was fun and I'm kind of glad I wasn't on it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of that conversation probably would have made me feel a little awkward. Sure, but <laughs> but I, I absolutely love love like having Shannon and John on. Right. They crack me up. Like yeah. and Shannon, he's so he's so silly. Like he sits there and goes on and on about uh, he like he he likes the commissions I do or the sketches I do. His sketches are some of the best. At it. I mean, just because. Well, one, he's a good draftsman, but his sense of humor is hilarious. I love every single sketch I've seen him do. It it blows me away. And it's the kind of stuff that I can't do. I mean, every every artist is so unique that it's so funny. Because he was talking about that CoverGirl sketch that I was rolling. That sketch he did was hilarious, and I loved it, and it was drawn well. So for him to say, like, oh, Robert did this in super fast or whatever, I'm like... But anyway, I, I have I, I have a lot think, of respect for him as yeah, well. Yeah, I think a lot of I think for the most part though, a lot of artists are very critical of their own work. Yeah. So uh, it makes it sense. Yeah, so Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Emerging from the dark humor that was the Beast Unleashed podcast, Steve Megatron, TFG and Mike, Pecan Court Michael, and the Cybertronian correspondent Optimus Solo move on to Transformers Animated with Transformation Animation Podcast. 20 episodes covering all three seasons of the cartoon, the books, and the awesome toy line. We'll also have cast and crew interviews, so get tapped with GCRN's next Transformers franchise podcast, Transformation Animation Podcast, available on iTunes and the web at www www.geekcastradio.com Get your tap on Decepticons Transform and rise up Alright, let's talk some Thundercats Let's do it, man Let's go right. here Alright, so what we are covering today And what we're reviewing is uh, Wildstorm came out with Thundercats uh, issue number zero, and I'm trying to find a date on this, um, but uh, let's see here. This came out in 2002, uh, and really what this was to me, and I think I mentioned it on the show with Shannon, was 
when I read this, this was almost like reading episodes of the cartoon. Exactly. And this this issue and the whole first arc especially. Yeah. But, so, but this issue, yeah. I mean, it was just nostalgic. It was just so awesome. You absolutely. see, Thundercats done like you remember them. Yep. And I remember walking into the comic shop and picking this issue up and being like, ooh, they're doing a Thundercats comic? I was like, I got to pick that up. Yeah. Um, and this first issue, issue number zero, uh, was written and drawn by Ford Lytle Gilmore and J. Scott Campbell. And we've mentioned J. Scott Campbell before on the show uh, yeah. with his work on the G.I. Joe Danger Girl crossover and his work on Danger Girl in general and stuff like that. Yeah. Or no, that was Royal we were talking about and how he draws like J. Scott Campbell. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But but even, I mean, back, I mean, uh, Campbell's done a lot of G.I. Joe oh, yeah. covers and G.I. Joe related material. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the, there was actual digital inks done on this by Rice York. Letters was Rich and Wes at Comic Craft. Colors were Studio XD, uh, and editor was Scott Dunbeer. Right, and Scott Scott's an editor at IDW now. Yes, yes, he is. Um, so one of the things I wanted to just go over real quick is on the back, this story was really short um, just because it was yeah. a zero issue. It was kind of setting things up and everything else. Um, and just to let you know, the, the artist does change in issue number one. So the artist in issue number one is actually Ed McGinnis. Um, Which is another just fantastic choice for the book. Absolutely. I can't imagine a more perfect fit for Thundercats. Yeah. Um, but in the back of the book, they actually had Meet the Thundercats, which I thought was freaking Yeah, awesome. I like that a lot. I, I had forgotten, <laughs> and I should say, I'm reading this from, oh, goodness, shoot, I forget his name. Um, I got a bound library edition, like they did their own binding. Right. Uh book for me to draw a lino in the the front inside cover and um so it's every published thundercats book is bound together nice in this this homemade omnibus which just looks fantastic it's got the thundercats emblem on the front the logo down the side and so um since i have it handy since it's here i was like oh i'll just read it from this and i uh so it's from the original issues i don't know if they oh they have collected this but so i wasn't looking through a, a trade of it i was looking through the actual issue of it and I forgot that there was this back section, you know, all the bonus oh, yeah. material in the back. And that was so cool to see. Just like some cool pinups and then every and some history behind creating the, the comic and, and yeah. the 80s property itself. Um, but I wanted to go over each Thundercat real quick. Um, yeah. Because there was things about each one that I didn't re- remember or know. Right. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to start off with Lionel. I'm just going to kind of read what they have here. Uh, the Lord of the Thundercats, he's a teenager trapped in the body of an adult. His suspension uh, chamber malfunctioned on the trip to Third Earth, and he aged during the journey. Having bypassed his teen years, he never really grew up and never learned to lead. Because of this, he was sometimes brash and at other times unsure of himself. His maturation was the big was the biggest arc of the cartoon. Right. So he... And I, a lot of times, because he's such an awesome leader, I sometimes forget that he's a, really a teenager trapped in an adult body. Um, there are times where it came across in the cartoon, like, they yeah. did a good job of that, because I almost kind of remember more of him at the end of the cartoon as yeah. being the more mature adult. You know, he really filled that leader position. And yeah. then as I, I've gone back a few times and rewatched the series, and... In the beginning, he's so whiny and so like <laughs> needing to prove himself, and and 
just immature. And I just forgot how annoying that was. Because <laughs> I, in my mind, I picture him as this great leader, right? But he's not. He really is yeah. not. Well, the, the cartoon arc, because I think it was more than just one episode, but the arc that I really love the most is the one where he has to challenge against each of the Thundercats and has to yeah. beat has to beat each one of them. Like that's my favorite story that arc. Good. Yeah, um, that is a good one. That's the one I always remember. Um, so then we have Panthro, and Panthro is the Thundarian engineer. He built all the Thundercats vehicles and gadgets. Panthro was not only the biggest of the Thundercats, he was also the smartest. That's uh, one thing I always dug as a kid since the big guy was un- was usually just dumb muscle. Of course, he could uh, fight with the best of them and was often the first cat to rush into battle. Um, so I'm assuming that all this is being told from uh, Lytle's point of view. Yeah. Um, it didn't really say, but I, I assume since he's like, I always dug him as a kid and stuff like that. Um, but Panther was always my favorite. Uh, oh, yeah. Of the Thundercats. So. I think for me it was, uh, man, it's, it's hard to say because I think for me Tigra is my favorite. Okay. Though I almost always like the leaders the most yeah i mean generally i do um yeah. but i just i've always i like the look of tiger i like his attitude he's like that older mentor place he's got a cool thing. weapon yeah got that anyway, but, but i mean it's visible. hard to say it's him and panthro alino for me yeah. it's just always oh, it's hard to decide who's my favorite and i think for me tiger just barely inches out but yeah, yeah. Th- all three of those guys are so awesome. Absolutely. Now, Tiger was the one I was surprised because I didn't know this about him. Uh, it says the thun- uh, Tiger is the Thundarian architect. He designed the Cat's Lair. He was always quieter and more self-conscious than the other cats. Considering his shyness, it uh, kind of makes sense that he could use his bolo whip to make himself invisible. He also had the power to project psychic images although he rarely used it since it takes so much energy. Fast and agile, these abilities made him even a better fighter. Um, I didn't know he was the architect. (laughs) I didn't didn't remember that either. I remember the psychic images, which is kind of like lesser known than his invisibility, you know, but uh, he was also, what what did it say? What what did it say anything about his fighting? It just said that uh, he's fast, agile, and these abilities make him even a better fighter. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I remember... Um, you know, Panthro was like pretty, still pretty acrobatic and stuff, yep. and, and strong, and he had his nunchucks. But I, uh, Tiger I was I, always the one that would dive from the tree and take you down. Yeah, he, he was like sneaky, <laughs> stealthy. Yep. Yep. Obviously, with the invisibility, so he was kind of the more kind of ninja-like yeah. uh, fighting style. Yep. Uh, then we have Chitara. Uh, she's the fastest of them all. Chitara was the Thundercat who most resembled her namesake. Yeah. Uh, she had had psychic powers too, a sixth sense that sometimes allowed her to see the future. One of the things that set her apart from other cartoon heroines of the eighties was that she was such a strong character and skilled fighter. She often saved the Thundercats from danger. And I often viewed Chitara as like the second in command. A lot of times, like she, a lot of times she put Lionel in his place. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, and that, that really, I think Tigra could have been a leader, could have been, um, more dominant, but I think that says a lot about his personality that yeah. he dropped back. And Chitara was pretty like type A personality. I mean, she would she would come forward. She would be like, "No, I know this is how it should be done." And, right. You know, if you're going to be a leader, this is what you got to do. And that's when we were talking to Lee Aaron on uh, episode 125. I mentioned Chitara because she was talking about strong, you know, Lady J being a strong female character, and there wasn't a lot of them. 
uh, Chitara to me was definitely one of those strong female mm -hmm. characters that just kind of took charge when she needed to. So, and kind of just as a quick side note, that was one thing I really liked about the reboot was she was still that way. Like yes. she was very formidable. Yep, absolutely. And then really, she took she did take the leadership role. <laughs> in the, yeah, I mean the, the other guys were just so immature. Like she yeah. was the one who kept the team together. And then we have the uh, the Thunder Kittens, <laughs> which is yeah. The twins, Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat, uh, they were both a little whiny at times, and the immature and immature even for their age. Although Wiley Kit was much better than her brother, and even lectured him at times. They didn't get into hand-to-hand -hand combat as much as the others, preferring to fly around on their hoverboards using their uh, bags of tricks to fight from afar. Yeah, I always um, there is always kind of this uh, predominant kind of trope in a lot of these cartoons to have the two younger yep. kids or twins or you know um characters that were a little bit of the comedic relief or more of the the characters that the kids watching the shows could relate to yeah um sometimes i remember liking them a lot more when i was a kid <laughs> yeah than i do now yeah. that's probably the whole point of it but yeah. um i just think back at like space ghost you know the twins and yeah and then you have like the you know blip the monkey right and then yeah. you've got in here, you've got the twins and then Snarf, you know, the animal. Yeah, we're about to cover him. Uh, <laughs> we could skip him. That's okay. <laughs> well, Snarf was Lionel's nursemaid back on Thundera. That's so weird. I don't get that. <laughs> and he maintained uh, a similar role when he got to Third Earth. Uh, I'm like, no wonder Lionel was so whiny if yes. uh, he's learning from Snarf how to deal with <laughs> with pressure. Uh, he often still thinks that Lino, of Lionel as a young child and dotes Lionel like an overprotective mother. His heart was always in the right place. Uh, Snarf's voice and attitude were misleading. He's stronger and more cunning than you'd assume, and he proved himself in battle on many occasions. I don't remember that at all. Nope, I don't remember <laughs> that at all. I wish, I wish I remembered that. Right. I might have a different opinion of Snarf. Right. That, see, to me, that would be a way to, uh, something you could remedy in the comics. Like, yeah. you could still keep it true to the... Uh, to the old cartoon having him be so overprotective yeah but make him capable yeah. like don't make him like a like a scaredy cat all the time like afraid of whoever the big bad is like you know if they if you want to show him as being capable i think there was a couple times where he was with lino and lino would get captured and it was up to snarf to get back and get help or something yeah. like that and i remember some of those episodes but yeah. i don't necessarily remember him like taking on the mutants and beating them no. like that and and well and for those listening to the show, when we review something, there's a reason why we call a pass, like we said, we have a bi-barrel pass, but we call our pass a snarf. Yeah. <laughs> because snarf was kind of useless a lot of times. I did like what they did with him in the new version of the cartoon where he didn't talk, so he didn't sound whiny and, and everything else. And so I liked yeah. snarf a little bit better because of I did too. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, then we have uh, the next generation of Thundercats, which was Pumira. And uh, she's quiet and cunning, being more like Tigra than the other Thundercats. Uh, and said maybe that's why uh, she was the one who got to stay with him on Third Earth when the others went back to Thundera. Pomyra was the closest to a doctor in the group, having been a, a healer bef uh, before the destruction of Thundera. And I kind of do remember that now, that she was yeah. kind of like the medic person, so... Um, then we have been I, think, I think that addition of those last three, I think it was like in the second season second or third season. season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That they came in. I really enjoyed that. I loved the idea that there was more than just these, uh, you know, six yeah, other and when, Thundercats. 
and what I liked about it was they weren't they were actual additions. They weren't just okay. Here's the yeah updated, copies or whatever copy of somebody else or whatever like that. I mean, you did have Bengali, who I was just about to mention. He looks like Tigra, but he is different than Tigra. Yeah, uh, Bengali was the blacksmith of Thundera, and his skills also proved invaluable once he arrived on Third Earth before the new Thundercats were introduced. Lionel's indestructible sword of omens was never destroyed. After they arrived, it was shattered in battle, but Bengali was able to reforge it with his uh, power of Hammer of Thunder, of Thundera. Yeah. The, the youngest of the adult Thundercats, he is, he is sometimes too impulsive for his own good. So where Tigra was a little bit more controlled and a little bit more reserved, Bengali was the more impulsive one. Yeah, I think in, in, into the second season, Lionel had really filled his role. He had grown up, and he was kind of somebody that they could all look up to. Uh, he, it just because of his character, he was kind of wise beyond his years in a way, and he grew into that. So yeah. when Mingali showed up, it was kind of like what Lionel used to be. Used to be, right. And then we have Linkso. Uh, he's the wisest living Thundercat, and the others will often turn to him for advice or knowledge of old Thundera. Although totally blind, Linkso other senses are much more acute than any of the others. These skills coupled with his light shield, which can uh, fire beams of blinding light as well as defend other attacks, makes him more capable of holding his own in battle. Yeah, I kind of wonder if he accidentally just, like, looked into his light shield too many times. Like, <laughs> did they ever say why he was blinded? No, I don't know if they ever revealed that. Uh, they he was, like, checking did. out his light shield in the mirror. Like, yeah. like ah, my eyes! <laughs> well, and I wonder, too, like, uh, well, number one, I think he was kind of almost a replacement for Jaga, because Jaga was the ghost yeah. that looked yeah, over. Yeah, no, he was very, yeah. It, I mean, I guess they, they did fill certain roles right. uh, that were, there was gaps left from the first season, right? Because Jaga, he did come in, and he was the one that they would, uh, was wise and they'd listen to and then of course with Bengali kind of fill in that immature but adult looking yeah. you know Thundercat yeah and then uh and and with him he was he was just a cool character and I like the fact that he had that light shield because he could basically put the enemy on the same level as him because they would both be blind yeah so yeah that was always a cool thing uh, he, he also just had a really cool look I always, I always dug this character a lot so getting into the issue itself, we have uh, Lionel is looking through the Sword of Omens, and he has the whole sight beyond sight where he can look. And Wily Cat is um, looking at him saying, oh, that's so cool. I wish I had a cool weapon. Basically talking about how he wants to be able to fight in battle, but all uh-huh. they have is their bag of tricks, which is kind of foreshadowing for what happens in issue number one. Right. Um, and... Uh, so then he, he talks about each, Wily Cat talks about each of the Thundercats as far as what weapons they have. He mentions Tigra having the Bolo Whip, uh, Lionel having the sword, Chitara having her bow staff, and then Panthro having his battle sticks, which were basically nunchucks. With, nunchucks with a little cat claw yeah. in the end. Yeah. Yep. And uh, while they're talking, Panthro is walking uh, towards them and Monkeyan jumps out of the trees to attack him. Oh, I think, no, actually, this is Wily Cat like relaying oh, stories yeah. that he's heard and and just telling us the story of how their weapon saved the day. You're totally right. Yeah, I totally But it's I, kind of told from Wiley Cat's perspective like, yeah. man, this is what happened and it was so cool. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of of course over exaggerated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we he talks about Panthro and how like he's walking and also Monkey and jumps out and Jackalman's there and and he just kind of like Panthro has a smirk on his face. And I love that panel, too. Like yeah. That look on his face. That's totally Panthro. Yeah, that's so awesome. And he just kind of kicks Monkey in 
back <laughs> and swings his nunchuck that wraps around uh, Jackal Man's head and then flings him off to the side. Yeah. And uh, he does this awesome looking flip which just back looked really awesome Monkian, yeah, yeah over monkey and just looked really awesome and then like jacks him in the back of the head <laughs> <laughs> um and then he's just got this big smile on his face and he's like you mutants have to live don't pick fights with panthro and of course yeah, that's from really wiley awesome. cat's point of view yeah but, exactly <laughs> um then he talks about chitara and tigra and how they had to go up against slithe and uh vulture man Right. Uh, which you gotta love the 80s with the whole, like, this the, This guy looks like a vulture. Okay, he's Vulture Man. He's Vulture Man, Jackal Man, <laughs> Monkey Man, yeah. Um, so we have uh, Tigra, you know, base tells Chitara to, to take on uh, Slythe and that he'll take care of uh, Vol- uh, he'll take care of Vulture Man, but he's gonna go ahead and, like, uh, he makes himself invisible, and Tigra, or Chitara goes and uh, there's, like, a net that gets shot out from Vulture Man, to yeah. hit Chitara, but Chitara moves so fast that it hits Slythe instead. I know, so I'm like, why didn't... Well, a part of this was, he goes, well, we, you can outrun him, but I can't. That's what Tiger's saying. I'm yeah. like, yeah, but she can outrun him, and he can turn invisible. Right. So, like, they could evade him if they wanted, but instead they just beat the crap out of him because they can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Chitara trips uh, Vulture Man, so he falls on his back. Yeah, just moving real quick. Yep. And then uh, Tiger's behind Slythe, and wraps him around with his bowl of whip and then flings him into Vulture Man. Yeah, that's another panel I love is Tiger just whipping him around and he's yeah. like flying off panel. And uh, then they both And laugh. then I love that last bit. That last <laughs> panel is the best. It's this tiny little panel and they're just like, <laughs> like Tiger's face. It's just so like condescending over the how, yeah. how ridiculous the mutants are. It's great. And then he, uh, Lioncat's talking about Lion-O with the Sword of Omen and he, of course you have to do the classic, you know, Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Yeah. And, uh, how he's going up against uh, Mumra, and he talks about how Lionel flipped over Mumra and then like said "Die, Mumra" and stabs him in the back. <laughs> him in the back. And I was like, if it was that easy, there'd be one episode of Thundercats. Like, right. The end. <laughs> right. So then, uh, uh, you know, Lionel points out like, yeah, it doesn't really happen that <laughs> way. <laughs> that sounds cool, but right. Um, and then Wiley Kit shows up, and again, kind of being the whole like a little bit more of the reasonable one uh, compared yeah. to her brother and everything else. And then we get a glimpse into uh, the pyramid, the Onyx pyramid uh, and Mumra's there. And yeah. supposedly Mumra has been defeated because this story, this is another thing I love that they did with this. This story takes place after the cartoon. Right. So basically if you were a fan of the cartoon much, uh, I guess a lot of ways like the devils do GI Joe, that uh, the Devil's Do G.I. Joe picked up right where a real American hero comic left off. Yeah. This picks up right where the cartoon of Thundercats left off. Right. So they already have their new home and everything else, and Mumra's sp- supposedly defeated. Well, this shows that he's not completely defeated yet. Yeah. So, so and that was. Well, and then he said, well, and then it said, sure, you didn't kill Mumra, but you came pretty close. Right. On the page before. So it's just. So it's not a surprise that we see him, but at the same time, the Thundercats, it, they, they seem like they're a little more relaxed. They're yeah. a little more, like, not so worried about a threat, but but uh, Mumra is still there, either recovering or making plans for the future. And I love that foreshadowing, you know, the way the story goes. I like that they're already foreshadowing Wily Cats. Yep. And we'll find out that, that them being relaxed like that is going to come back to bite them a little bit. So Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome first introduction. Like I said, I remember picking this up at the store. Um, 
back when this was, let's see, this was 250 when it came out. <laughs> so yeah. those days are gone. <laughs> but, yeah. but it was a, it was an awesome issue again with the, it was a brief story, but then you get all these extra panels, these pinups talking about the cartoon, talking about the characters and everything else. So you do get a lot more extra stuff in this issue. I like the uh, if you if you see the pinup, of course they they have the pinup there by Peter Vale, which is one of the first things you see. Then you see some of J. Scott Campbell's layouts, which yeah. I love as an artist. I, yeah. I love to see because and then but the next page it says designs by Dan Norton for future Thundercats miniseries. Yes. yes. What's great is Dan Norton was the art director and character designer for the new Thundercats show. Oh, okay, yeah. So he was the same guy who um, relaunched. Yeah, yeah. So back then, I mean, he was he was working in comics and still doing video game stuff. But he went on to do animation, and he was the character designer and animator for uh, GI Joe Resolute. Yeah. And then he went on to do Thundercats right after that. Yeah, and I love the uh, pinup by Aaron Lepresti. That was just awesome looking. Yeah, it's cool to see. I mean, this is a while back, so it's kind of 2002. To so this is like four, 12 years later, like right. his art, you know, has changed, but yep. it's good. And then they give at the very end of it, they give, uh, they say in two weeks, so you didn't have to wait very long. No, uh, that's a really good promotion. In two weeks, they said uh, is number one, and Robert and I will certainly cover that in an upcoming yeah. episode. So. But yeah, that was number zero. I mean, it got me pumped for like the, what was coming next. So yeah, I, this was one that I, I definitely collected as it came out. This was yep. I had kind of stopped collecting a few Marvel and DC titles at the time, and, and it was right when this came out. So I was just excited to pick it up. Yeah, and what I did is I collected them as they were coming out, also, and then I think I sold them all in a big bundle. And uh, and then I was like, damn, I wish I hadn't sold those. So I went <laughs> back out and recollected all of them. Oh, did you? Yeah, so I have all of them again. Um, so yeah, they're after not... I, and then they have it reprinted, all of it, or it's tough to find right, you know, like trades of the stuff. So yeah. I'm actually thinking of going and collecting them all. To, to I mean, this this bound omnibus is right. so amazing. I'm, I think that's going to be my next project: is collect yeah. these and, and get this done. And they're not really that hard to find. I mean, you can find. No, them they're not expensive. Or so, yeah, yeah. So. All right, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up, uh, keep this one nice and short. Uh, Robert, why don't you go ahead and give everyone your information where they can find you at? Yeah, it's just Robert Atkins Art pretty much across the board on the social site, so at Twitter and then on Facebook. My blog is uh, robertatkinsart.blogspot.com. I'm kind of – sometimes I'm updating it regularly. Sometimes I'm not. It always just depends on my deadline schedule and how busy I am. But that's where you can find uh, what I'm up to. Uh, I'll be in New York next weekend. Um, I'll be um, over in Malta <laughs> at the end of October for that convention. Nice. Um, I I really want to do uh, the uh, North Carolina convention, or I'm sorry, the the, the Virginia Comic Con, if okay. if I possibly can. But it's just uh, talking to my wife into letting me leave yeah. like two weeks later. <laughs> so we'll see. Understandable. I know how that is. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com where you can interact with us every day. You can also find us on Facebook, like us on Facebook. Uh, we put a lot of posts on Facebook every single day, uh, whether it's news articles uh, or just funny pictures or questions or whatever. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. And uh, you can oh, I just email us. Say, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, oh, you can email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to quickly just kind of pimp out stuff I'm working on right now. I have uh, I'm working on the America's Army uh, miniseries called Officers. Awesome. Uh, that'll be a three issue series that'll be coming out soon. And I just got permission that I can post some of the artwork from that from the issues to help promote it. So Very I'll be putting that up on my Facebook in the next few days and my blog. Very cool. Um, I also did the cover for GI Joe number one, the New York Comic Con exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's a fun uh, Scarlet cover I did, yep. and then I did a. Tr- Turtles, Ghostbusters, crossover cover cover for IDW also. So that, all that stuff's coming out in the next few months. Very awesome. Um, and I will say the Turtles, Ghostbusters cover looks freaking amazing. So. That was fun. I wanted to do a more action-oriented one. I did like the one I did. I had yeah. fun working on it. Um, but then then you're having to cram eight characters into a cover, like yeah. competing for space. And then after I did the cover I did, then I saw another cover that they had somebody else do, and mine's not that different from another cover <laughs> that somebody else has coming out. I'm like, oh, I'm surprised they let me do that, considering it's so similar to uh, <laughs> another I, one. But I think yours looked amazing, so I'm, I'm going to definitely get my hands on that one. So yeah. Um, and I will say one thing you can do to help keep up with Robert's blog is uh, I know you can subscribe to your blog because uh, I did that. And mm-hmm. so this way, anytime Robert has an update on his blog, it's not something where you have to go back and check every day, although that's fine to do also but you can you'll get actually an email that lets you know hey he he's updated something on yeah just over to the right if you go to the blog it's just again robertatkinsart.blogspot.com and over to the right you can click on that orange rss and just click on it and it'll start to um yep you know email you or you can follow it on like through google uh connect yep and then it'll email you also that way absolutely all right well with that uh we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle take care everyone (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.